What's up, church? How you guys doing today, this morning? I, I, uh, I, I've had a request, okay? I'm just throwing this out there. Um, a lot of people don't even know, but our church had a little soft, or we were a part of a softball league here in Tiffin. Mason got a rolling for us, and uh, we dominated the league this year, okay? They just had the championship game Thursday, and we won, right? Okay, all right, so um, good for... All of us. <laughs> we beat the Catholics. <laughs> and more importantly, maybe, we beat Fremont Campus every time, right? Okay, all right. So it was good. It was good. Um, but uh, hey, this morning we're going to wrap up our series, like AJ was saying, uh, called Family Hacks. And today we're going to, I'm saving the best subject for last. Actually, this is something, the thing that we're going to be talking about today is probably something that knowing you guys, none of you ever deal with because you guys are all perfect, awesome people. And so probably half of you guys, you guys could just like tune out, get on your phone like you do anyway, and you know, look up whatever you look up. But, uh, but for those few of you who struggle with what, what we're dealing with, um, I need you to pay, pay attention real good, okay? We're gonna fix some things today. Uh, so let me just start off by asking a question. How many of you Ever, maybe once in a while, maybe like, maybe it was just a long time ago and, and you vaguely remember this one time where this happened. How many of you have ever been in conflict with someone in your family? Okay, all right, that, you guys maybe aren't as good as I thought you were. Um, see, family is hard, family is complicated, and family like breeds conflict. I mean, it just breeds problems because we're always together and, you know, it's just, it's just all these issues. Uh, sometimes uh, conflict arises when um, it's not even like somebody did something wrong against us. It's just some people are crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Like in our family, it's just like they just drive you crazy. It might not even be something that they've done wrong. Sometimes it's just how they are. You know, you know how to fix that because they're they're just different, and you don't know what to do. Uh, we're, we're all different, right? Like some people in here, like some of us are rule followers, where it's like you got to do everything to a T. You got to do it this, this exact way. Some people just wing it in life, and it's like, I don't know. They don't know what's going on. It's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just living, living it up, living life. Uh, some people, some of you guys are very feeling and emotional based, which is good. Others of us are a lot more logical-based, right, which is, is everything's concrete. It's either black or it's white, and sometimes that causes issues. Uh, some people are very cautious in how they live life. Other people like to take a bunch of risks. Some people are very quiet. Some people are very loud. Some people know when to talk when it's appropriate. Other people, they just talk, 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 and ramble, 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 and you can't get them to shut up. You know what I'm talking about? We all got, okay, we all know people like that. Don't point to anybody or look at anybody. All right, that's just going to cause conflict, and we're talking about that today. Um, but, uh, but some of us, there's just been issues between our mom, you know, between us and our mom and her dad and her brother and her sister and her stepmom and, and stepdad, aunt, uncle, in-laws, grandparents. And for some of you, maybe, you know, it's been a long time. It's like, yeah, I just haven't had to deal with that for a while um, you know, it, it's, it's just been a while, and that's, that's good for you. Others of you, maybe it was even this morning. Like, I know how it is. Some of you guys, you fought all the way to church this morning, okay? There's nothing like a good on-the-way-to-church fight on Sunday morning. It happens all the time. And, uh, and you know, it, it's just all this stuff going on. 
But, uh, but it, and those of you who do that, by the way, I totally know how it is because you're in there. And you guys are going at each other, and you're like, we're going to be late. What's taking so long? Why are you wearing that? Stop doing that. I'm hot. I'm cold. And then you're walking through these doors, and you get greeted by one of our awesome volunteers, and they say, hey, how are you doing? And you go, oh, it's great. God bless you. We're having such a great morning today, you know. I know how it is. You guys are liars and fakers. <laughs> but we've all been in conflict, Okay, that's a part of life. And some of you have been uh, in conflict with people for decades. Your brother and your sister, I don't know, maybe there's some rivalry that's just, been, that's just been going on. And let's be honest with ourselves, like deep inside, like we're bitter. Like we're just bitter, bitter people. On the outside, by the way, we look all good. Like everything's, everything, we got all our stuff together. Everything's good in our life. But on the inside, I mean, we are just, it's... Whatever they did, that thing that they did, you know, maybe it was so long ago, maybe it was last week, it still bothers us. That thing that they said about you or they said about you uh, to, to somebody else, or maybe they said it to your face, and you just don't know how to fix it. You're like, I don't know. Yeah, it still bothers me. I still think about it. I don't know how to fix it, but it's on the inside, and uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, a, a few days ago, I was flipping through the channels, and I passed Judge Judy. And you got any Judge Judy watchers in here? Okay, there's like three of you, okay? That's cool. Actually, um, I haven't watched Judge Judy for a long time. It's one of those things that you like watch while you're eating lunch real quick, you know, you don't, but then you want to, you know, wait for the whole thing, but they're not very long, so it's like doable. Um, but uh, I haven't watched it for a long time, but, but a few days ago, I'm like flipping through, I'm like, oh, here's, you know, here's Judge Judy, and, I'm, and I'm, as I was watching it, there was a um, husband and wife or a mom and dad versus their children, okay? They're suing each other. Okay, over, guess what, a cat, okay? Like, I could see a dog maybe, but a cat, you know? Like, you get free cats everywhere, anywhere you want to go. So, you know, it's just, we don't know how to handle conflict, especially within our family. Like, we all dream about having a great relationship with everybody in our family. We just don't know how to get there, and we don't know what to do with that thing on the inside, that bitterness that we have because of what they did that one time to us. But God wants us to fight for our family and not against our family. And that's what we're going to look at here uh, this morning. So you guys ready? You good? Okay. All right. Um, we'll, uh, we'll dive right in um, to this. So this is going to be, you know, this might be hard for some of us. Here's the deal. The hardest part with conflict is knowing your part. Okay. The hardest part. With conflict is knowing your part. When we're in conflict with somebody or we're in a fight with somebody, we got to understand that 99% of the time we are responsible for at least some of it. We get that? Does that make sense? It's not something we ever want to admit. It's not something we want to think about or talk about. But that's the honest truth. Um, we know people who are like that, who don't want to admit that or don't want to think about that. Like, have you ever talked to somebody who it's always someone else's fault? You know people like that? Okay, where it's like whenever you talk to them, what are they doing? They're telling you about everyone who's ever done anything wrong to them and everyone who's ever done anything who said anything wrong to them. And what do we call that in our society? We call that venting. Actually, it sounds pretty healthy, like, oh, yeah, we should vent. That's a, that's, that's a good thing for us. But really, venting, what is that? It's just code for complain about everybody you could think of, right? That's what it is. See, the only common denominator in every fight that you've ever been in is you. Bummer, right? Like we play a role. That's 
the foundation, really, that we need to set before we get into what we're going to be talking about today is that if we're honest with ourselves, we need to understand that we play a role when we're in conflict with other people, at least 99.9% of the time. And so our question is, how do we fix it, right? How do we fix it? How do we solve it? What, what's, what's the end game here? And uh, we're going to look at what Jesus had to say one day. Uh, so Jesus is out and about. Crowds are following. Everybody wants to hear what Jesus has to say. And Jesus just says this. He says, hey, if your brother sins against you. By the way, I think uh, Jesus, you know, we know what Jesus was saying. It's not if your brother sins against you, right? It's like when for us. Okay, because everybody has experienced this. This is something that everybody experiences all the time. And so Jesus, you know, he, he knows that. And so it, basically for us here this morning, let's read it. When your brother sins against you. Has your brother ever sinned against you? Yeah, a lot of times, okay. Um, really the word brother here is not even family member that, that Jesus is trying to convey. Uh, really, this is anybody who uh, is, a, is a Christian, okay, along with you. But I think this is even broader than that. I think G we could use what Jesus is about to tell us and how he tells us how to solve conflict in our life to really broaden that out to anybody that's within our life. So this could be your coworkers, could be your boss, this could be your classmate, this could be, you know, whoever it might be. So keep that in mind. This is really a broader thing that Jesus, his wisdom and how he tells us to do relationships and to do life, uh, we, can, we can apply this to everybody more than just our church family, which is what he's talking about. And uh, okay, so here we go. So when your brother, let's say that, sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. All right, so that makes sense. So here's Jesus. He comes on the scene, and everybody's listening to him. Everybody wants to hear what he has to say. And he says, hey, when you are in conflict with, with people, which is going to happen because we live in a fallen, messed up world, he's saying, hey, if you just go talk to them instead of about them, he's saying that that does a lot. Like that makes a pretty big difference. And sometimes, in fact, if you look at this, he's saying sometimes it actually solves the conflict or it solves the situation right then, you know, right then and there. Like it, like, it, like it fixes it. Solves it right away. And you get your relationship back. And in fact, when you get your relationship back, most of the time that relationship is stronger than it was before the conflict even started. You win your brother over. But that's not something that we usually do. Okay, I'm not good at that. It's not something we, we do. Usually we go and we vent to somebody else. We go complain about them to somebody else. We go and talk about them to everyone else around us. And here's Jesus saying, hey, this is what you do. Don't do that. That's messed up. That's wrong. That makes things worse. That's, that, that's sin. He's saying, hey, what you need to do is you need to go to him and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That means you don't do it at the family table when you got a whole, you know, when you got, you know, everybody's there. It's not, doesn't mean you do it in the workplace when some, when your coworker, maybe he or she does something to you and you're in front of everybody who says, hey, you did this to me. You shouldn't have done that. This is not, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be done in front of an audience. It's only supposed to be done between you and that person alone. Instead of talking about them, we should just talk to them. Now, the thing that we need to figure out 
before we confront them is what they did, was it a sin against you, was it wrong against you, or <coughs> was it a personal preference? Those are two very different things. Personal preferences, they're just different from you, and they're doing something that you just kind of find annoying. It's not like they're sinning against you. Uh, for example, I had a roommate in college. I had several roommates in college. And uh, one of my roommates in college, he, has this, he had this thing. He didn't take showers, okay? Typical college guy. I don't know. Not this typical college guy because I wasn't into that. But, uh, but he, so he didn't take showers, which was really annoying. And the way I started figuring this out is, number one, our room started stinking, and I knew it wasn't me, right? <laughs> we always think that. But... Uh, but our room, started, our room started stinking. I'm like, dude, this is, this is like unnatural funk going on here. Like something's not, something ain't right. And so then I started watching his stuff. Like, okay, there's a shampoo, there's a soap, there's this towel hanging on that hook. And I started watching it. And I watched it for two weeks and it didn't move once. And I'm like, dude, we got a, we got a problem here. Now, another fact about this person is um, not only did he not take showers, but he also was a runner. Okay, just not a good combination going on there. So every day he would go out on runs and for like an hour long run and get all nasty and sweaty and then he'd come in and be, you know, it's just, it was just, it was just bad. He didn't wash his clothes either. And so, um, but anyway, think about this though. Work with me. That's my preference is that he would take a shower on a daily basis or at least after he runs, right? Like that's my personal preference. But him not doing that wasn't necessarily a sin against me. Does that make sense? Okay. I had a strong preference, but just because he didn't do that doesn't mean that it was a sin against me. Now, if he was stealing cash out of my wallet, which I didn't have to worry about because I didn't have any cash in college, um, that would be wrong. Like that would be stealing, which would be wrong, which would be a sin. That would be him sinning against me. Actually, I would probably prefer that he had done that if we want to get honest. But... Uh, but those are, that's, that's the difference. Sometimes what we get so frustrated about and we get so annoyed about, it's just our preference versus their preference. It's not them doing something wrong against us. So we got to figure that out. Like that's one of the first things we got to say, hey, are they sinning against me? Like what Jesus is saying or is this just my personal preference? And so Jesus here, he's talking about someone who is doing wrong against you. And Jesus is saying, hey, when, they do, when somebody does something wrong to you, instead of getting in this huge fight about it, he says, you need to go talk to them. You need to go confront them. That's the right thing for you to do. Now, confronting, let's get this straight. The whole point of confronting isn't uh, for you to go up to them and for you to point out like, ex all that they did. Hey, you did this to me and you did this to me. Hey, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. It's not necessarily to point out their sin. You know what the whole point of confronting is? The end game is to fix the relationship. That's the goal. Not to make them feel like a horrible person. Not to make them mad. The goal is to fix the relationship. It's not about winning or losing. See, sometimes... It works. And this is all we have to do. Actually, I think a lot of times, more than what we think, this works. I've seen it many times. I've seen it in my own life where I just go up to somebody. I'm like, hey, you know, you did this. Didn't really appreciate that. And then a lot of times people don't even realize what they've done. It's like, you know, same with me. Sometimes I'll do something towards somebody. I didn't even realize that that was a big deal or I didn't even think about it that way. But sometimes people don't realize what they've done. And talking to them about it, it instantly 
fixes it. And that is so much better than let it just stir up inside of you and where we just, we just stay bitter against them. So sometimes it works. A lot of times that works. But sometimes it doesn't. So this is what Jesus says next. He says, if he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. And so here Jesus is saying, hey, this is what you got to do. If that doesn't work, I want you to go back to them. But this time, I want you to take a third party. I want you to take one or two other people who are, by the way, not two or three of your friends. You guys can gang up on them and, you know, really get them good. That's not what Jesus is saying. No, we're supposed to grab someone who we both respect and explain the situation. We both get our turns. And the third party uh, should be on your side if, it's, if they truly did something against you, meaning they will point that out to that person where it's not just you, which a lot, oftentimes is better. And, uh, but, the, but the third party, this other person, will also help you see your blind spots because we all got those. Does that make sense? Like they're going to see, because remember, 99% of the time, we have a part that we've played in conflict ourselves. We don't like to look at that. We only see their part. We oftentimes we don't even we don't even recognize our part. But that third party will point out our part as well. It's really a good system. Um, but but we have this issue that we don't like to look at at what we've done wrong. Jesus actually once said earlier in his ministry in Matthew seven, um, he says he said this. Hey, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood? In your own eye. We've, a lot of us, church people, we've heard this before. Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. He says, you hypocrites, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of their eye. See, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, hey, a lot of times when people wrong us, they'll do something wrong against us, and we see that that's something that shouldn't be in their life. It's like a splinter in their eye, like this little, this little piece of wood, this little splinter here. And he's saying, we see that splinter, and we're like, hey, that shouldn't be in your, your eye. That shouldn't be there. I'm going to help you take it out. I want you to see that you got this thing in your eye, that you got this thing in your life that shouldn't be there. And Jesus is saying, hey, a lot of times when we're doing that, we're focused on this one little thing that, the, that, that you know, this person did to us. He's saying a lot of times we're walking around with like a giant board coming out of our eye. He's like, you guys are idiots, basically. He was like, look at you. Look what's going on. You are worried about that little splinter, that little thing that they did to you while you've done all of these things to all these other people. You got this big thing in your own life that you refuse to take care of. Jesus saying, that's messed up. It's not how it's supposed to work. None of us want to talk about the big board coming out of our head. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to focus on the, and deal with the big stuff in our lives. What we want to focus on are the little things in everybody else's life. See, part of the problem is when we're in a fight with someone, especially within our family, we don't start with our issue, right? We don't. We don't want to start with our issue. We don't start where we went wrong. We start with theirs. And we turn what they did 
into such a big deal, into such a problem. And a lot of times, you know what I think we do? And I think we all do this. I think we do it to take, part of the reason, is we do it to take the focus off of us and what we did to them and to focus all our focus on what them, or what the little thing that they did to us. It's kind of like a a ping pong game. You got, we got any ping pong players? All right. Okay, all right, Matt, I see you out there. Yeah. But uh, so ping pong, okay? Kate and I, when we were in college, we played ping pong. We played ping pong like every day. And it got a little heated sometimes. Um, but I, we, and we kept score, of course. We kept score and we kept track. We have a whole record somewhere of how many games I won and a few games that she won, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but uh, anyway, so we played ping pong a lot. But really, a, uh, I don't know why I'm even talking about that. But really, a, when we're in conflict with somebody, that conversation, that confrontation that Jesus is telling us to have, it's really kind of like a, a ping pong game. You know how that goes? It's supposed to be like a nice volley. Like, hey, I go to them and I, I hit the ball into their court and I say, hey, you did this to me, didn't appreciate that. You know, we're, we're super gentle. It's a nice volley. Not, we're not slamming it. Okay, it's just, a, it's just a nice little thing. We hit it over there. We say, hey, now the ball's in their court. And then they reply to that. They answer. And they say, well, I did this because of this and this and this. Didn't realize that that was such a big deal. Whatever that might be, they hit the ball back to you. And then we respond. We hit the ball back to them. And then they reply. They hit the ball back to us while we listen. That's just good communication. Like that's what good communication is. But inevitably, what happens is someone puts a little spin on their response. Right? Right? They put a little spin on it, and that bothers you, and that annoys you, and it gets a little personal in there. And then all of a sudden, you, you're in it, you're in this game to win it, right? And you're, I mean, you're, you're slamming it on each other, and you guys are just going back and forth, back and forth. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's not what Jesus is talking about here. See, it's funny. As the disciples are listening to Jesus explain this to the crowd of people, uh, Peter, he, he, he kind of steps up and he asks, a, he, he asks a question. By the way, Peter's the guy who asks all the dumb questions that we all want to ask, but we don't have the chance to ask. Glad Peter was there because he's the one who does that for us. So Peter, he steps out and he asks a question. He says, okay, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa let me interrupt you real quick. Jesus, um, he says, he approached him and he says, hey, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me as many as Seven times? Now, the thing that we don't understand in our culture, or where we're at today, is what this number that, that Peter gives out. This is an oppressive number from their point, from his point of view. He's saying, hey, uh, someone does the same thing to me over and over and over again, Jesus. Like, how many times do I just forgive? Like, how many times do I just let that go? Like, seven times? Like, is that good enough? Would seven times, wouldn't that be enough? See, in Jewish tradition, what Peter was taught from a very, very young age, Jewish tradition taught that, hey, if someone sins against you, they do something wrong towards you, and they do the exact same thing up to three times, you have to forgive them. But on the fourth time that they do it, man, you cut them off. All right, you're done. You don't have to forgive them. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You just let it go. You can hold on to that bitterness and all that stuff in your heart. That's totally, totally cool. In fact, they would say you shouldn't forgive that person. And so this number that Peter's given, like, this is a big deal. He's more than doubling it. He's going, okay, I know what the answer is. The answer's three, but I'm going to double that 
plus add one, look at me, I'm super Christian all, all of a sudden, you know? That's what, Peter's, that's what Peter's thinking. So he's probably got his chest out high. He's going, hey, hey, Jesus, um, you know, I'm a super Christian here. I walked on water. I did all that stuff. So, you know, I'm pretty good. Uh, but uh, I could probably forgive somebody, my brother, seven times, you know? And so Peter's thinking pretty good about himself. And even the disciples, they probably roll their eyes a little bit like, yeah, right, you wouldn't do seven times or whatever. And he thinks he's something. And so Jesus responds. This is what he says. Jesus says, hey, I tell you, not as many as seven, Peter. Uh, He says, but 70 times seven. Now, some of you guys right now, you're like doing the math in your head, which I can't do. But but, uh, Jesus might as well have said 77, you know, trillion times. Well, his point is, he's like, no, 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 it's not this number. It's a way bigger number. He's like, it's limitless. Right? It's a huge number. It's, it's, there is no number. See, the biggest issue with conflict in our lives, you know what it is? It's forgiveness. It's us forgiving others. We believe, this is, this is just how we think. We believe that when we forgive, it's like doing someone else a favor. Right? It's like whenever somebody hurts us or insults us, it's like always we have the sense of like they owe me. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and it's like a debt relationship. Actually, that's how Jesus describes a situation when somebody wrongs us. It's like a debt-debtor relationship. And that's why we say things like you owe me an apology. Okay? We have this. It's just, it's just how we think. And the victims... They always come away feeling like they are owed something. I mean, that's, that's just how we think. We think our boss owes us more recognition or our wife owes us respect or our friend owes us loyalty or our husband owes it to, to us to be, more, you know, to be more sensitive or whatever that might be. And so because of that, we only feel justified when that person who we think has wronged us comes back to us and basically says, hey, let me pay you back or here, let me give you this apology because this is what I owe. When they come back and they acknowledge the debt that they owe to us, that they took from us, okay? That's the situation. But when that doesn't happen, we hold on to the offense and it's like we start to build our case. I mean, how many of you, have you ever had it where, um, you, you know, those like, those imaginary conversations that you have with other people in your head? Where you're like arguing with them? Come on, people. I know, we all do this sometimes. Okay, where it's just like, oh, I should have said this, and if I could do this, it's like, it, by the way, in those imaginary conversations that we have in our heads, because someone has ticked us off, uh, we always look good. Have you noticed that? Like, we're always like the good guy in it, and it's just like, oh, you know, if you would have said this, and I should have said this, if I could have the perfect conversation, if it was set up like perfectly, I'd have the perfect response for him or her, whoever it might be. I'd tell them who's right. I'd show them why they're wrong. They would understand. It would all be good. And I would be, you know, I'd be victorious or whatever it might be. That's what we do. We build our case. We all have our own different weird tactics, but this is, this is what we do. And we think to ourselves, our attitude is, I don't owe them forgiveness, they owe me. That's where Peter's at. I don't owe them, they owe me. And so Peter, he's asking a clear question, he's looking for a clear response, and then Jesus goes into a strange, weird story. This is what he says. He says, for this reason, Peter... Uh, the kingdom of heaven. So he's already told Peter, he's like, actually, it's unlimited number. Sorry, that's, that's the truth. He says, think about this, Peter. Is, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
So when he began to settle the accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents, 10,000 talents, this is like an unimaginable amount of money. Everybody who's in the crowd, the disciples, everybody, all of a sudden they know that this is a fake story. Like this is a story, we call it a parable, that Jesus is using to teach um, people truth. And so they're like, 10,000 talents, this is like $30 trillion, okay, something that will never get paid back and, and is just always there. Like, can you imagine some organization or group of people owing like $30 trillion, you know? Okay. There's one out there that does it, so it's us. Okay, anyway. But uh, anyway, so he's like, it's like $30 trillion. Like, this guy owes the king who was brought before him. So since he did not have the money, obviously, to pay it back, his master commanded that he and his wife and his children and everything that he had be, pay, be sold to pay the debt. Not good, bad news. So at this, when his servant finds out exactly what's going on and what's going to happen to him because he owes this astronomical amount of money that he can't even begin to pay back, the servant fell face down. By the way, let me just point this out. This is the position of an apology. There is a humbleness attitude. I'm not saying that when you're apologizing to somebody that you get on your knees and you grovel. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But this is the position. This is the, the attitude of our heart when we give an apology. It, there's a humble part to it. See, some of us, we're just not good at apologizing. When we apologize to somebody, because remember, 99% of the time, we have a part to play in it as well, in the conflict. See, some of us, when we try to apologize you know, we say, I'm sorry, but blah, 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 this is why I did what I did. That is not an apology, okay? Actually, real quick, this isn't even what I'm supposed to be doing, but real quick, let's all just say out loud on the count of three, I'm sorry. Some of you, you haven't done that for decades, okay? It might be really good practice for some of you, okay? You guys with me? Come on, people. You guys are terrible at this. All right, so one, two, three. I'm sorry. All right. Was it so hard, was it? Okay. Now do it to your spouse when you get home tonight. Okay. No, I'm not doing that. Never mind. So at this, the servant fell face down. Position of humble apology right here before him. And he says, please be patient with me. I will pay you everything. Which, by the way, is a lie because it's impossible. Even so, the master of that servant had compassion. By the way. You've probably experienced this type of compassion on somebody who has come to you maybe once. It probably doesn't happen as much as it should. I totally understand. But when someone comes to you and they apologize for something that they did that was wrong against you, that was wrong to you, right? Have you ever felt that where it's just like you feel bad for, oh, that's not a big deal. You know, uh, don't, don't worry about it. You felt this compassion where all of a sudden you're like, I kind of like this person. I hated this person one second ago, but now I kind of like this person because that person is apologizing to me, giving me what I feel like I'm owed. Same thing with the master. He says, the master of the servant, he has compassion when his servant falls face down and his servant starts begging him, saying, hey, please give me more time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so he released him and he forgave him the loan, the whole loan. Not just part of it. He didn't just say, hey, you know, he could have said, hey, pay me what you owe. Or, or he could have said, pay me what you can and I'll, counsel, I'll, I'll um, cancel the rest. He doesn't say that. Right? He erased the debt completely. And so the people in the crowd, they're just like, whoa, $30 trillion erased completely. That's crazy. The disciples are just like, 
Whoa, can't believe he did that. By the way, let me just point this out. This is what forgiveness is. This is key to everything with conflict. This is what forgiveness is. Some of us, we don't understand forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Those two do not go together. It's not like forgive and forget. That doesn't exist, okay? Some things that people do to us, we shouldn't forget. The king forgives the debt, but we're going to see in just a second that the king does not forget. He forgives, does not forget. This doesn't mean that trust is instantly reinstated. That's not what forgiving means. So what exactly does forgiving mean? What exactly is the king and the master doing? What he is doing is he is absorbing that debt. That's what forgiveness is. I'm not talking about money here. All right, he's absorbing that debt. Forgiveness is when someone owes you, somebody wronged you, somebody took from you, and somebody owes you, and you take on the debt that they owe you. You absorb it. You take the hit. You take the blow. All the time, 100% of the time, forgiveness costs you something. Again, we're not talking about money here. Forgiveness always costs you something. Otherwise, it's not forgiveness. Okay? So he goes on. So this guy completely, he absorbs the debt. This guy owes him. He wronged him. He owes him. He, he absorbs the debt. He says, that servant, he went out and he found one of his fellow servants. Hey, fellow servant, who owe him a hundred denarii. Now, a hundred denarii, this ain't no chump change. This is like 20 grand, let's say. And so this guy owes him like $20,000. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money, but it's, it's, it's paybackable, right? It is doable. And so he owes him around $20,000, and he grabbed him, and he started choking him, and he said, hey, pay me what you owe. At this, his fellow servant does the exact same thing that the first servant had done originally with the master. He falls down, position of an apology. And he began begging him, saying, please be patient with me. I will pay you back. And he probably could pay him back. It's paybackable. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and he threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. It's messed up. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed. They talked about it amongst themselves. And then they went and they reported to their master everything that had happened. And then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, he says, what's the deal? You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt. I forgave you your $30 trillion because you begged me. <clears throat> Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back everything that was owed. Now, I don't know what Peter was thinking at this part of the story, but uh, probably about two-thirds of the way through the story, Peter is probably realizing that this story's not going his way, you know, like, oh, okay, and he probably understands that Peter's in this story, right? Like, the king is God, and Peter understood that he was the wicked servant, because he's not forgiving his brother. And so Jesus, through, using this story, he's saying, hey, Peter, you have, and he's telling us here this morning, he's saying, you have to forgive that person every single time. And by the way, if you don't, I'm coming after you. That's pretty intense. That's what God is telling us. And then Jesus even says a statement that, to be honest, it, my wicked heart, you know, I kind of wish wasn't in the Bible. Like, I, I, I wish could be deleted from the Bible. I wish he didn't say it, but this is what he says in the next verse. He says, so also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. 
You say, you're not supposed to just forgive them. Like, you just say it like, oh, yeah, forgive you. Don't worry about it. But in the, on the inside, you hold on to that. Now, this has to be done from your heart. It's not just some verbal thing. Like, this is the real deal here. He's saying, that's what it needs to be. End of story. And at this point, Peter's probably sorry he even brought the whole subject up, right? It's just like, man. See, Jesus is saying, when you're in conflict, you better learn to forgive. You better learn to let go. By the way, when you're in conflict, you really only have two options. Either you forgive, either it's forgiveness or bitterness. It's one or the other. You want to hold on to that forgiveness or you want to hold on to that bitterness. Those are your only two choices. And forgiveness, that's the key to fixing conflict. Now, forgiveness, let me say this as we wrap up. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's not about fairness. Some people I talk to, it's like, you know, I'm like, man, you gotta, <laughs> you need to forgive, right? You need to let this go. And, and some people, it's like, you know, we have this idea that's like, hey, I'm, I'm waiting to forgive until it feels right. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And I'm just telling you right now, because we are all messed up people, that may never come. Jesus doesn't say, hey, when you feel like it, forgive. This is not what he says. He says, forgive all the time. He's saying, do it. Other people, I think, a lot of us, we think, you know, if, if I forgive them, it's like they're getting away with it. And I don't know, I just, that just doesn't sit well with me. You know what you're saying when you're doing that? Or when you think that, when you have that feeling? You're saying, God can't handle this one on his own. He needs me. God, I know you need my help. Like, I get, he's God. But on this one, like what they did to me, on this one, if I don't help him punish them, they might get away with it. And that's not right. So God needs me to get them, okay? Let me just make sure we all understand this. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. Right? Your job is not to punish them. Your job is not to make them feel terrible about themselves. Your job, Jesus is saying, is to forgive. And sometimes it's harder than others totally understand. But that's what he tells us. There's a couple signs that I was just thinking about that um, I think can kind of point out in your heart so you can understand whether you have forgiven that person or those people or not. And so I just kind of, I just want to throw these out at you. Because um, I think sometimes it's hard for us to figure out, like, yeah, what they did still bothers me. I don't, I think I've forgiven them, but I don't know 100%. Let me just, let's just check ourselves. Like everybody in here, real quick, just ask yourself the, just a couple of these questions. Number one, do you think about it all the time? Do you talk about it all, all the time? Do you think about it all the time? Do you still complain about what they did to you to other people? Because if you do, I'm telling you, you didn't forgive. You haven't forgiven them. And the other one is, can you cheer for them? Can you cheer for them? Can you root for them in life? Like, can you wish them the best? Or does that still bother you? Because if you can't cheer for them, you haven't forgiven them. See, the first step for fight, to fighting for your family and not against your family is to talk to them about it. At least put the ball in their court. Right? Confront them. Where it's at least their turn. You hit the ball over. It's their turn to reply. 
And then Jesus is saying, then you got to forgive. Like, got to let it go. Not necessarily forget. Still be wise. But you got to forgive them. We're not holding on to that bitterness in your heart. See, the honest truth, we all want strong, healthy families. Here's the deal. When you do conflict well, okay, because this is going to happen. Regardless, we're all sinful people. We all mess up against each other. You mess up. I mess up. We all, we're all, you know, we all do this. But when we do conflict well, when conflict arises and we handle it well, it deepens our relationships with those people and it also opens communication, okay, which, which, which is good. The other thing it does is it gets our eyes off of ourself when we do conflict well. And it produces a healthy family. A healthy family isn't a family that never gets in fights. It isn't a family that never has any issues with each other. A healthy family is a family that knows how to deal with those issues when those issues arise. Let's pray. God, we, um, again, we thank you for family, Lord, and we thank you for these words that you teach us how to do family your way. And God, since you're the inventor of family, it's probably pretty important that we, that we listen to them and we do what you called us to do. God, we ask that you would help us to forgive those people when they wrong us. And God, we wrong people as well. Help us to have enough guts, enough boldness to at least be able to admit when we're wrong and to apologize when that's owed. That's what you called us to do. Help us to do conflict your way. And we know because of that, we'll have strong, healthy families, just what you want for us. We ask this in Jesus' name.